Tell me, though, what's his technique? That last strike, it seems invincible. Welcome to Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist podcast. My name is Connor McKenna. I'm Carl Stout. And today we are covering Marvel Premiere 16, which is titled... Heart of the Dragon, which may explain why the colorist, for some unknown reason, decided to turn his dragon brand on his chest flaming red for the first page. Just for that page. Yes. Yes. Hmm... Well then, let's just talk about what was happening in Marvel. Uh, this what month was this released? This would have been June, and absolutely nothing was happening in June 1974. The most interesting thing I could find was Namor was just at it again, being aggressive, being a jerk, and attacking the Fantastic Four for some reason. All right, well, yeah. To add to that, Werewolf meets Werewoman in Giant Size Creatures number one. That was a fantastic issue. All the giant-sized creature stuff, great, great stuff. If you're into the horror, it's not even into the horror. If you're into the classic monsters, the yeah. creature books, that's one of the other few things I collect. I collect, like, 70s horror comics along with my Iron Fist stuff. But, yeah, mm. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, the magazine, issue two, came out. Uh, another magazine that Marvel put out was Monsters of the Movies. That was issue number one. Tales of the Zombie, which is another of their magazines, number six came out. Monsters Unleashed, number six came out. As you can see, there was a little bit of a monster craze back in the in the early 70s. Which is odd. I didn't think there was many monster movies coming out in the 70s. Oh, no, those are all just... Well, Tales of the Zombies, just straight-up stories... Monsters Unleashed was also just like another four or five horror monster comic stories. Uh, Monsters of the Movies was like, I believe that was a one-shot. And it had like little blurbs on everybody, like from Phantom to the Opera, I think even Godzilla's in there. Wow. That's one of the few issues I actually don't have. I don't have that one. And uh, because we're talking about horror, I will say uh, Marvel Spotlight number 16 came out this month also. And in that was Son of Satan, another cool character, which yeah. I also have a, almost a full run of him also. Was that uh, was Ghost Rider in that one? Uh, I want to say yes, but again, I uh, cannot look that up right now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I will quickly look it up. Because I remember Ghost Rider appeared very early on. In fact, uh, Son of Satan's first appearance was in Ghost Rider, I think. In the Marvel team-up issue number 24 that came out this month was Fire vs. Cold, the Human Torch versus Iceman. I guess, I'm guessing they teamed up and fought the bigger bad guy, and they were friends at the end. Well, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a 70s Marvel comic. They always fight first, realize, oh, we're the good guys, and then team up. That's how every comic, like, happened in that era. Yep. And Damon Hellstrom appeared, uh, Son of Satan appeared in Ghost Rider 1. That was his first appearance. Mm-hmm. So, Spotlight 16 must be his first comic. And if that's the first one he's in, then I definitely think Ghost Rider's in there with him. Before we started recording, we actually were discussing that on this cover, which is another great cover, 
the Iron Fist logo is the only logo in this run that doesn't have the iron bolts in the letters. Why? We do not know. But they dropped the bolts and the letters for this one issue only. They also tweak the color in the background and the logo every few issues. I, I don't mind dropping but, the bolts. Oh, no, it doesn't. If anything, I'm surprised they put it in with the whole thing that we read in the first podcast about the worry of Iron Man. Mm. But another thing that I find interesting is on the cover, it says, like, Jaws of the Dragon, but then you open it up and it's Heart of the Dragon. That, that happens a couple of times, if I recall correctly. They might have, like, an extended title on the first page and just a short title on the cover, but this is just different. And Heart of the Dragon is better. <laughs> Much better. Do you want to uh, recap the first part of the story? Uh, well, issue 15, we uh, see Iron Fist slash Danny Rand uh, fighting in a contest to determine whether he will eat from the life of a, eat an apple from the tree of eternal life and become immortal or choose death. That's kind of where it's hanging. But in the process, we also find out the fl- uh, and through several flashbacks from concussions, uh, how he got there More to come. and losing his parents in the Arctic and finding the lost city of Kunlun where he trains for 10 years to become the martial art master that he is. And now we're here. Yes, now we are here in New York City. Yep. Now on the cover we are given right there pretty much the main bad guy right in your face the with a scene that really doesn't happen. <laughs> As usual. I mean, it's kind of what happened, but again, not really. Yeah, there's no... But it's a good cover. It's got good colors. Yes. And in the very first page, just for no reason whatsoever from where we left off, Iron Fist is pretty much in New York, walking in the slums, commenting on the odors. That's explained later. (laughs) True. Well, not the odors, but... (laughs) <laughs> why he's in New York yeah I gotta say I like this cover as well it's good just going back to the f- cover of Marvel Premiere 15 I really like that cover but just the term Karate Killers kills it for me mm-hmm. I'm just I don't know why I have a problem with that maybe it's cause it's like well isn't he doing Kung Fu and Karate Killers is just so 70s martial arts craze mm-hmm. it dates it for me but if it wasn't for that, I really like the cover. I think the cover of Marvel Premiere 15 is great. I prefer our... Sorry, that, that, that... I just didn't mention that last week, and I just wanted to mention it now. I just have a problem with Karate Killers because I'm a loser, so... No, you're, you're actually technically right. He shouldn't even be uttering those words because they don't teach karate in Kunlun, so those guys wouldn't know karate. It just feels like... Let's make something exciting and let's sell it, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. So they just put Karate Killers on there so people would be like, ooh. Sorry, tangent over. And actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, I was wrong. It's in this issue where they mention that they were he was worried that the name wouldn't stick because of Iron Man. Okay. Yet they still put the bolts in the name. This That's in the Iron Fistfuls, which was the letter page in this. Hmm. And was that Roy Thomas saying that? Yeah. Okay. Let me just double check. Oh, actually, no. Tony 
Isabella. He did a Ghost Rider run, remember? And it, uh, he put Jesus in there. <laughs> then, uh, who was the editor at the time? He tore it up and wrote it so that Jesus was a demon in disguise and Tony Isabella got real mad and quit. I always thought that was interesting. Who was that editor? Jim Shooter. That's right. I actually met him. Yeah? Well, is he a I nice can't, guy? I can't, I can't say that. What I should say is I stood in line for 45 minutes to meet Jim Shooter. And when I got close enough to hear what he was actually saying to people, I wanted to punch him in the face so freaking bad, I just left the store. It sounds like him. What was he saying? He was being, he, it was, uh, it, this was when I was living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was at Ides Music, which was also a comic book store. He was doing a signing in their comp, in their basement, which is where the comic book store was. The basement was the comic books and magazines. The main floor was all music, and the scaffolding top floor was all movies. And he was just being a total butthead to everybody. And this guy had, like, and I was there at art college, and this guy had his son with him, and his son couldn't have been more than 12 years old. And... Of course, the kid wanted to be a comic book artist and had, like, a, a portfolio going of his artwork. Now, I saw it because the kid had it open and was looking through it while he was standing in line. For a 12-year-old, it was fantastic. The kid had talent. It wasn't printable artwork yet. But again, he was, like, 12. There's no 12-year-old comic book artist. It just doesn't happen. So he's still got years and years and years of work and practice to refine, and he's already got a fantastic base. So I think he was like eight people in front of me. He got up into in, Jim Shooter, and the dad was talking to him. He's like, yeah, my son wants to be a comic book artist. So we brought it here and you know, figured you could critique it, tell him what he's doing right, tell him what he's doing wrong. And Jim was just like, this is total crap. This, that, and the other thing. This is wrong. That's wrong. This won't ever get you a job. This work is total unsatisfactory. Blah blah blah. Just being—he's a, a kid, and mm. he's being total dude. Yeah, sounds and, like and, an and I was—I was literally with four other guys, all from art college, and we were just standing there with our jaws open. And after he was done talking to the kid, the kid left in tears. And I just turned to him and I'm like, I—I I can't meet this guy right now. I don't want to meet him anymore. And they're all just like, we're right there with you, man. Let's just go. It, yeah, it doesn't then surprise just, me. He has that. And then we all basically stood outside, chain smoked, and discussed whether we should just wait till he leaves and kick his. <laughs> <ass>. <laughs> it, he has a. He, he already has a real rep for being, you know, a hard case. And that story well, doesn't re really. Remember our age difference. This was 23 years ago. And how old are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually. So. This he guy's started, been a douche um, for a really long time. He started... He was already working drawing for comics at 13 years old. So he mm. must expect the same off everyone else, I guess. And I also, that same year, met John Byrne. He's a character. It went, it went almost just as well. Mm. <laughs> In college, no job. Hooked up with a ride to Ohio. To a con paid the last amount of money I had in my pocket just to get in to meet John Byrne. I had an index card 
I've stood in line for over an hour to get up to his table, told him how what a huge fan I was, uh, that, that I was a huge Iron Fist fan, that I was in college right now for art, asked, held out the index card, asked if I could please have his autograph. He just looked at me and went, five bucks. Wow. And I just walked away. Remember, this is the guy that, there was some author, and the, the, he made a character, I think it was Barter, I'm not sure though, and... It was made after his wife. So, John Byrne hated this guy and put that character in a porno with Superman just to say, screw you. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, I love his artwork. I love his work, but <laughs> I'm not sure I'd yeah, be first in line to meet him because I would be terrified. I found with John Byrne's artwork, it really depends who's inking him now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm totally blanking on his name. Terry, somebody was probably the best guy out there to ink his work. Mm. But we're totally getting off track. Yeah, no, we, we, we're we just talking, we're just bad-mouthing celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, why don't you recap the first part of Marvel Premiere 16? Well, not recap, tell us what happened. Alright, so, Danny is cruising the streets of New York City, and we already know from the flashbacks from the first issue that he is there for revenge. And uh, just walking down the alley, he hears someone moaning down a hall, down an alley. And being the guy that he is, he's got to check this out. Someone could be in trouble. And, of course, it's a trap. And we quickly find out that, first, he's outnumbered by four goons loaded with their typical goon weapons, the pipe, the knife... The maid with the candlestick in the library. I mean, no, wait, that's a that's a board game. Hmm. But someone is offering, even though he just got here from a mystical city that he's been in for over ten years training. Someone has got a price on his head already of ten grand for the dude wearing the dragon brand, which is correct. It is a brand. It is not a tattoo. Yes. And there's a freaking picture of it. The guy's got a pamphlet. Like, somebody's handing these things out. And, of course, then they say, dead or alive, it says. So they all decide to jump him. He quickly shows him why he's wearing this funny outfit. Because <laughs> he's a martial arts guru. And uh, double blocks disarm the first two guys. A well-placed elephant kick makes the other guy lose control of his bladder. It looks like it's also got some blood coming out. Mm. And then a blow of the hammer gets the other guy in the gut. Then a lightning a lock block turns a bayonet stroke away from his head and a bear thrust steals the breath from another. So he's kicking this guy's butts, but again, gets a little bit too cocky. Gets a blow to the back of the head, and we all know what that hat means. Flashback! Flashback. Concussion! So this first part, obviously we already covered the title page. I guess I'll explain what's going on in the title page. So the cover shows Iron Fist fighting well a very aggressive figure, <laughs> to say the least. He has a uh, a scythe with a chain wrapped around his neck. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, people on looking... His name is the scythe. Yep. There's people looking at them and Iron Fist is smashing the ground, sort of flailing, trying to get out. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's obviously melodramatic dialogue there. Your kung fu fireworks weren't helped you, masked man. Not against the scythe. And then it has He's Iron right. Fist's... 
bullet I bowl. can break chains, smash concrete with my bare hands, but if he strikes me with that razor-sharp blade, I'm a dead man. And at the bottom, as we said, it has Jaws of the Dragon, even though the story inside is called Heart of the Dragon. Yes. And, you know, it starts off with Stan Lee presents Iron Fist, the living weapon. Uh, Len Wayne was the writer of this one. Dick, do you know how to pronounce that? Giordano? He was the Inca. Uh, the colorist and letterer was a Glynis Wayne, an L.P. Gregory. Roy Thomas was co-plotting this one. And Larry Harmer was drawing this one. Penciling this one, I should say. And I think Larry Harmer's here... Uh, is he here for more than one issue? I think he is. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And he does a good job taking over from Gil Kane. There's no quality yes. drop or anything. It's, uh... Yeah, it's still consistently good. Again, I think the segment we just covered works a lot better in black and white. You're going to say that about every issue. I'm not, actually. I've written notes down <laughs> that don't do that. But if I did say that about every issue, I would probably be right. <laughs> but no. Um, I just think uh, it's describing how New York is this grimy place with messy odors and stuff, and I just think the black and white suits that better than these bright, vibrant colours. True. And the back alley fight and everything, again, I think it's supposed to be grimy, maybe the bright colours. Bright colours for Iron Fist is fine, but bright colours for everything doesn't particularly do it for me. Power Man and Iron Fist is a different story altogether. I believe that that whole thing should be in full, vibrant colour. And I think, yeah, the fight's still good, and I like how he snuck up on, shows he's not superhuman, not yet anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, he just gets a pipe to the back of the head and concussion from it, and another flashback, obviously. What did you think of it? It's still, still well-thought-out panels. Obviously, mm. someone who knows how punches and kicks are thrown and, and correct blocks are done. So that all worked great. Um, yeah. The one thing I found interesting is mm-hmm. the complete lack of background. Yes, that's in, why like, the major panels. That's another reason I think the black and white works better because it's really obvious in the coloured version. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before the reward that there's pretty much a bounty on him as soon as he gets out. And if I recall correctly, that is actually explained later, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Just double-checking, because otherwise we would be <laughs> tearing that apart. But if it's explained later, then... Yeah, no, it's uh, right, still so solid. We... Yeah. Do you remember that uh, whole panel in Immortal with him and Orson Randall beating up those goons with all those crazy names for their techniques? Yeah. That was awesome. just thought I'd say that. Um, <laughs> jumping way ahead there. Yes, way ahead. But it's going to be a while, let's, so... Let's just jump 35 years... Alright, so reeling in pain causes him, of course, another flashback, and we pretty much take, go right back to right after his mother is killed now, where he is brought by the guys who just saved him with their crossbows from the walls into the mystical city of Kanlung, where he, of course, is brought to meet UT, the August personage of Jade, and he is welcomed, and... I always found it a little odd that it was his full name. Welcome, Daniel Rand, to the city of Kunlun. I'd be like, who are you, Cobra Commander, and why do you know my whole damn name? Just, I don't and know. And uh, yeah. UT pretty much welcomes him and says, you know, we 
know of your father's fate and the fate of your mother as well, and our hearts grieve openly for them. And he pretty much says, anything you want, merely name it, and it will be yours. And the nine-year-old basically says, there's only one thing I want, mister. I want revenge. Look at those adorable little freckles on his face and everything. And UT basically says, you ask for the one thing that we cannot give you, my son. For revenge is a weapon that cuts two ways and cuts deep. It must never be given as a gift. <laughs> this was your hallmark moment brought to you by UT. <laughs> and he says, well, yeah. perhaps we can give you another gift, a more precious and more lasting by far. And he is introduced to... Da-da-da! Lu Kung, or Lee Kung. How do you pronounce that? I Let's just go with the Thunderer. Heard it. <laughs> the way I always pronounced it in my head was Lei Kung but I'm not sure how that is. I'm sure if there's any Chinese listeners, feel free to correct us and lecture us about how we're getting your culture terribly wrong all the time. (laughs) So, Liu Kong, or Li Kong, or the Thunderer, as we'll call him from now on. (laughs) Alright. We know how to pronounce that. Is a very large part of young Daniel's life, and even all the way up into Power Man and Iron Fist... And later, he is a huge part. Full immortal weapon and living weapon. And he's awesome. Yes, he is. So, he, uh, the Thunderer takes young Danny under his wing. And I'm not even going to get into the whole crown of the Viper, king of the Viper's crown thing, because I think it's kind of dumb. Because you don't really see the Viper do anything other than hang exactly as it does on its post. But needless to say, he trains for 10 years and finally takes the crown from the the glowing serpent king. And he finally knows what it feels like to wear the crown of the king. And it feels hollow because his heart is empty for revenge. And you still have a little bit of, you know, the training montage there. (laughs) Yes. Where he's getting taller and taller and doing different things in the panels. Oh, some stuff taken directly from Carradine's Kung Fu. You mean Bruce Lee's Kung Fu, right? Well, Bruce, yes. Well, yeah. That's a whole other story. Yeah. And what's worse is it wasn't just mm. Kung Fu. It was also the movie he did, The Iron Flute, I believe it was called. I have not heard David of that. David Carradine in The Iron Flute, where he goes around and meets all these different masters and has to fight them to find out you know, some magical book. That whole movie was, again, a Bruce Lee movie that David yeah. Carradine wound up doing after Bruce's death. Mm. David, uh, as far as I know, Bruce David Lee was Carradine. actually... Continue. I met him also. Who, David Carradine? Yep. Another bad experience. Oh, wow. <laughs> Went up to his table at a convention. He was sitting there with, like, you know, 15 different pictures. Told him I was a huge martial art fan. It was pretty much because one of the reasons was because of Kung Fu and you know I'd seen every episode I bought them all on DVD and this that and the other thing and literally he just he was just staring at me the whole time I'm talking and when I finished talking he just waved his hand across (laughs) the pictures as in what one do you want and I said I'd like that one and his helper then picked one of them off the pile that I pointed to asked me my name and I said and he was just like, with a C, and I'm like, no, with a K. And he slid the picture over to David. David wrote to Carl, David Carradine, with a little quick yin-yang symbol, and handed it to me. I took it. I said, thank you very much, and he bowed his head to me. 
didn't t- say one word to me. Wow. He's a monk, man. That's how they work. No, uh, he was also an alcoholic. Yeah, no, he wasn't. It, it, am I correct? Did he ever actually learn any real martial arts, or did he just know movie kung fu for all his life? Uh, he did start taking... Uh, he knew bits and pieces, but he, I, from what I understand, he, he actually studied uh, the Tai Chi. Okay. And that's why when he got older, he actually released like a whole video line of uh, Tai Chi. Like, I don't know if I want to call it exercise or meditation, kung fu, or what I should really call it. But he, he put out a line of Tai Chi videos. Yeah. And uh, my friends of mine ran into him at another convention up in Massachusetts. And that convention had a bar. And David Carradine was walked up to the bar, ordered three drinks, two shots and a drink, and I immediately started talking to my buddy who was sitting at the bar, did the two shots, pounded his drink, slapped him on the shoulder, and said, you got these for me, right? And started walking away. <laughs> <laughs> and my buddy immediately grabbed the bartender and said, I'm not paying for his drinks. Well, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few other stories, but I'll leave there. They're not... They're even worse. Yeah. So I guess we'll... So we'll skip to... He does his little training montage. Cue the music. Yes. He gets gets older now. He swipes the... Crown. Crown from the serpent viper king. And then he goes back and sees UT. And pretty much says that, you know, he's done everything. And he's mastered them. And UT agrees. He's like, you've mastered them, my son who have ever been students of the way you are far the best and yet I sent your soul rests I mean tell me Daniel why and he's like don't think me ungrateful but it's not enough hmm. and then we're brought back out of the concussion <clears throat> to, a, to about to have our head caved in with a lead pipe I like to think all the time he gets hit in the head this happens they just stop showing it to us The uh, it's starting to get monotonous with the whole every blow to the head brings a flashback but Thanks for the last issue that does it, that. It ends soon, yes. Yes. I guess it's still and, that real origin. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, again, he now pretty much snaps out of it, whoops the four guys a second time, and they say, screw this. Do you mind if I just cover some stuff in the segment we just did? Sure. Cool. Um, just uh, I just want to talk about Wei Kong a bit. Or the Thunderer, sorry. He... Sorry, I'll just get the page up. Basically, Lei Kong is another thing from Chinese mythology, where it's Lei Gong in Chinese mythology, but he's the god of thunder, or lord of thunder. He punishes both earthly mortals guilty of secret crimes and evil spirits who have used their knowledge of Taoism to harm human beings. He's depicted as a fearsome creature with claws, bat wings, which is not exactly representative of him in this comic, but this part, and a blue face with a bird's beak who wears only a loincloth. Now, aside from the loincloth thing, he does sort of resemble a bird. I don't know about you if you think that, but it does look like a beak, his mask. Yes. And it definitely resembles a, a beak yeah. in the white stripe down his face. And he began his life as a mortal. And while on Earth he encountered a peach tree that originated from heaven. And when he took a bite out of one of the fruits, he was transformed into his godly form. So, I am curious... I cannot remember if 
way Kong's backstory was ever explained, but did he make that choice with the Tree of Immortality? Did he eat the fruit? Was he was he a wanderer who came in, or was he born here? Oh. Or does it never really go into it? He's Well, he's definitely an immortal, so he definitely has eaten from the tree. Hmm. And because I think he trained Wendell and uh, Randall. I'm just wondering if he, if maybe he is what Iron Fist could have been, if he ate the fruit. I don't think so, because he never defeated, you know, Shallow to get the Iron Fist. That's true. I guess I more meant his role as a trainer, but I see what you mean. Yeah, it's interesting to think about anyway. Maybe we'll find out more later. And the Serpent King is also a Chinese mythology reference. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty much just a minor nod to the Emperor in Chinese mythology who was credited with creating humanity and had the body of a snake, but the head of a human if I recall correctly. So, it never really goes into anything more with the snake. I think it's just a, a visual reference, maybe a bit of a thematic cool. reference, but I found that interesting. We're also going to get a major reference in the, on the next page mm -hmm. of a whole bunch of kung fu movies and mm. the whole Iron Fist technique, which, believe it or not, I don't even think they ever speak of what we get in the next page again, ever. Well, did you want to cover the next segment, then? That's fine with me. Cool. So, like I said, he, he snaps out of his flashback, quickly dispatches the guy with the pipe, throws a whooping on the other three again, and they run off basically saying, okay, freak, score one for you, <laughs> and you ain't heard the last of this. And he's left bruised and bloodied, starts checking his wounds, finds that they're superficial, touches the brand on his chest, and now we get a flashback without a head trauma. <laughs> it's a nice change. And again, the memories come. Your hands. You work dil diligently to condition, as the Thunderer said you must. And right now we get what you see in pretty much every single Kung Fu movie where there's any reference of Iron Fist. I mean, it's even in Enter the Dragon has this scene. Mm. Where first we show him punching into a bucket of sand, then into a larger bucket of gravel, and then finally at last into a giant bucket of rocks. Until your hands become... As the rock unfeeling and irresistible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes back to U, uh, UT and he's like, it's not enough. And he's like, not enough. What more do you seek, my son? Mm. You are already everything a man could ever hope to be. And yet, no, perhaps I speak too soon. And now he tells Danny if he's ready to risk death to gain the power of the Iron Fist. Of course, he says, I'm ready. Yep. <laughs> or else this would be a really short comic book. It's a great panel, the way he says, I am ready. I really like it. Yes, it is. And so, with a heavy heart, UT explained what he must do. And at dawn, he found himself approaching a towering cliff just beyond the Eternal City, shouting an angry challenge at a pair of ornamented, ornamentally carved doors set in the mountain face. And what comes out of those giant doors? A huge effing red dragon. Mm. <laughs> With no wings. Shaolo the Undying comes ripping out of the doors and it starts to attack Danny. Bubbling, glowing, molten heart that Danny has come to find has been torn out of the dragon, leaving a dragon-shaped scar on his chest. Mm. So the 
brand that we all love, know and love that's across Danny's chest is actually backwards on this dragon's chest. Yeah. Because its heart was removed. And needless to say, Danny fights this dragon with everything he's got. And he realizes he's not really making a dent. But he can sense the power emanating from the scar in the dragon's chest. And he puts two and two together that because the dragon's heart is kept actually in the cave, but it's still powering the dragon through the scar. So he's got to cut the power off. Mm. So using his own body, he jumps on top of the dragon and wraps himself around that section of the scar, covering it with his chest. Which is awesome. And it starts burning and sizzling, and he's about to slip into unconsciousness because the pain is so bad and he can feel his flesh blistering, but the dragon drops first. Mm. And so, upon the dragon falling down, we see that now the brand is on Danny's chest. So triumphantly, he marches into the cave. Find out it stinks worse than the city of New York. (laughs) (laughs) Barely. Stench of death and decay is pouring from this cave. He can barely shake it off. And he takes his last long, clean breath and strides into the darkness. Where behold, he sees the huge urn, which is this like giant platform held up by what what looks like goblin statues. Straight out of D&D. Oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings, Dungeons and Dragons, right here, this panel. Yeah. And he goes up to this big, like, glowing urn, and it's the molten heart of the dragon that he just defeated. And now he starts doing the iron fist technique that he was doing in the sand and the gravel and the rocks. He's thrusting his fists again and again until the molten heart of the dragon, until his hands actually glow. Mm. And then on the next page, you see him, like trying to put out the burn by stuffing his hands into the snow. Yeah, everything else comes second rising up. to him <laughs> soothing his burning hands. And then, and then from that yeah. flashback, we roll right back into the city streets, or I should say the alleyway, where he mm. was left by the four goons, only to find a new goon is joined. The man who says Joker every other sentence. Yes, Joker, he says it a lot. <laughs> so, we'll get to Shulu the dragon in a second. Because there's a lot to talk about there, obviously. But um, so I do really like the training montage. You know, him shoving his hands in. I've seen that in movies. I haven't seen it in the Five Fingers of Death, though, which I think you said this particular sequence is a reference to. I think so, but it's definitely in a whole pile of movies. Yeah, it's in multiple movies. It's de- it's definitely in Enter the Dragon. Who knows? Who knows how far it goes back? This uh, like this particular sequence. He's gonna get bone cancer later in life, I think. Is that that? That stuff can't um, be good for was, his hands. That's because of a nuclear warhead. No, I mean, he's going to get bone cancer in his hands because he's been shoving him into rock in his early 20s. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> he can heal. Uh, yeah, that's true. He has that chi healing. Um, he, mm-hmm. So he's got blood on him from those goons, which he wipes off with a look of disdain, but probably a reflection. So, yeah, we go to the dragon, and he just... <laughs> I just love how he strolls right up to this door and goes... Come on, you want to fight? Pretty much, and then the so dragon's like, "Well, sleeping. okay." Comes out. It's a Chinese dragon, obviously, so it has no wings or anything. It's more like a mm-hmm. giant, fire-breathing serpent. And yeah, and he fights it, and it's awesome. I love the fight. Yeah, punches him right in the head. Yeah, I thought it was <laughs> like I mean, I thought last issue was hardcore. Now he's just going toe to toe with a dragon. And how do I defeat a creature that cannot be killed? 
And yet, obviously, the classic, he hugs the brand, and it sears onto him, which is great. This whole... The whole fight sequence is really well drawn. I really love the shot where the dragon comes out of the door, and he's sort of leaning back with his fist ready. Now, I will think that this... These two panels, these two pages, definitely look better in black and white, because the coloring job is horrible in the original comic. That's... It's really funny you say that, because... I was about to say, I think these two pages look better in color. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> but I mean, look at look at the smoke, or the, I don't even know what to call it, smoke or fire or whatever. The colorist didn't even try to stay in the lines of the fire breath. I guess I'm 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 looking at the masterworks. So oh, maybe they, they cleaned it up in the masterworks. They don't have any but... smudges on the outside or anything. Oh. The original looks like somebody just used a fat magic marker and scribbled over them. Okay, yeah. That... I mean, there's color bleed everywhere. Yeah, there is no color bleed in the Masterworks. Do you have a copy of the Masterworks? Uh, not on me at the second. Okay, you should look at it before next episode and tell me what you think of this particular sequence anyway. Mm-hmm. But I'm not... It, it also looks really good in black and white as well. This is just the one part I prefer in color somehow but yeah I love the hugging uh, of the dragon and the brown on his chest looks like it hurts it's funny with the bit of spoiler territory but with the future iron fists and mm-hmm. you know how that kid has the brand on his head that must have hurt right like did he just shove his head in there <laughs> and uh, the female had it on her thigh that was that was strange too how does that happen and that's and that should have been sideways, not straight up and down. It, it makes sense, it feels like, on your foot or your hand. Chest is the best, obviously. So, yeah, and the panel where he looks down at the burning brand on his chest is really, really good, I think. Probably my favourite from the two pages, besides maybe the D&D wear. <laughs> it's just, I love the smoke effect coming from it, and I love, you know, I just, I just love it all. I love him plunging his hands into the heart of the dragon over and over again. I think mm-hmm. what makes some of this really, really good is the way the shading's done. The shading just seems really, really top-notch. Especially, I mean, the, the artwork in these sequences with the dragon and his lair, I think, is so much better than the artwork in any other part of this issue. I'm definitely going to have to check out the Masterworks because these couple pages, to me, look actually pretty weak. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to see. I'm going to have to see how much they tightened it up Definitely check out the Masterworks and the Essentials if you have them around as well. Yeah, those are buried in the basement also. Okay, we'll talk about it next time then. So, yeah, and obviously it's pretty funny, just his hands are hot, just douse him in the snow. I know later on it says he uses the dragon's chi or something. Mm-hmm. I know Immortal explained it pretty well, but I did prefer this early on idea that it was, uh, like in the first issue, the chi represented his will to live, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's still the case here, but I guess we'll find out more yeah. about it as we read on. So it's a bit confusing right now. Well, his powers actually changed quite a few times. Mm. Because originally it was him being able to focus his entire life force like into a concentrated hit. And he could only do it like once or twice a day. And it wasn't and it considered was draining. It wasn't considered supernatural either because he'd just been trained by these people at Shangri-La. But now right. with the dragon's power, it's going into that mystic territory. Right. And then, yeah, later it became that his life force, or his chi, was now mixed with 
the dragon's chi, which was, of course, his super chi. And that's how he could do the stuff that he did with the Iron Fist. And then they changed it again to being like pretty much like your key to this force of nature that's just out there that can be tapped into. It was like a river of power. Mm. And it's they even tie it into the whole Phoenix thing. That was that was strange. I'd have to read that again. I don't want to read it again because it was in that New Avengers run, which is one of the most boring things I've ever read. But <laughs> And that uh, just a tangent here. They go to Kunlun and everything. Mm-hmm. And it just ignores continuity, as I mentioned before we started. And then it turns out to be a freaking Spider-Man story. Iron Fist is just there to take them to Kunlun, and that's it. And it has no real bearing on the story later anyway. So I don't really understand the point of that whole thing. I don't know. I've... I didn't read all of it. Yeah, well, yeah, don't bother. <laughs> don't bother. It's not <laughs> worth it. So I guess the we'll go to Scythe, who loves saying Joker so much. Yes, thanks, Joker. For saving me the bother of hunting you down. And they pretty much, they engage in a fight. Joker has a weapon with a, it's a scythe, with a heavy ball attached via this long chain. Kasari Gama. Japanese in origin. It's a weighted chain designed to pull its victim within the range of the razor blade. You assume the cat stance. (laughs) Hmm. Before I forget, I just gotta say that I love the second person narration. It it just gives it I don't know it just gives it this you know charm and I love it and I wish they didn't get rid of it. Yes, it is quite interesting that it does go in and out of that. Like all of a sudden you're the Iron Fist because it says you assume the cat stance. It doesn't say Iron Fist assumes or he assumes you assume the cat stance. Well, it gets you, you more sense involved the in the speed story. of the studded steel ball. Studded steel ball as it hurtles towards your head. It gets you more involved the last in the story. Possible instant you snap your head to a side. And he says Joker like two more times. <laughs> yes. Joke. Is he supposed to be Australian? I don't know. He comes I off don't as Australian. Think he ever to me, appears again. Which is good. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I love the I love the fight and I love his weapon. He just says Joker too much. He never he never says mate or anything, so Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So he gets bonked in the head, and there's not a flashback. You are correct. Mm. And in the shoulder. And then he gets the chain around, wrapped around his neck. Just like on the cover. Oh, the cover and was he says, And he says Joker two more times. And he starts dragging <laughs> him around by the neck with his chain. And what does that cause? A flashback. <laughs> there, it was They misled us. They set up the knock to the head, and we thought there was no more flashbacks, but bang, here's another one. And this flashback... Back being, brings us back to last issue. Yes. Where we see him in front of UT and then fighting the four and then popping the head off the one. Yeah. I but just... then we get a little extra. We get to where he chooses eternal life or death. Mm. And then we see Daniel and UT at the... What's the actual term for the tree? The, the tree of immortality. There we go. Yeah. And he says, you know the legend of our city and how Kunlun Mountain appears in the world of men only one day out of every ten years. And on such a day, you first came to us. And on such a day, you may leave if you so, if such is your wish. And tomorrow is the most sacred day in a decade. So tomorrow is the day where he could leave if he wants to. Or he could stay and eat from the immortal apple and become immortal and live there forever in peace and whatnot. And of course... He needs to find Meacham. He needs to find the man who murdered his father. 
and UT is like, then all the years you have spent among us have not dimmed the fires of revenge in your heart. And Daniel's like, nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This made me angrier. And he talks about, you know, the hatred's still there, the pain's still there. He still wakes up from the dreams at night, seeing it over and over again, and that UT has no idea what he's going, going through. And UT drops the bomb. He says, for Wendell Rand was not only your father, he was also my brother. Dun, dun, and UT's answer stuns you. But it doesn't stop you from leaving. And the very next day, he's wearing a nice spiffy cape, Charging yeah. out into the snow. Now, how he gets from the Himalayas to New York City, still a mystery. Well, he walks. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't like, think so. <laughs> I don't think he should be too concerned about cold weather. I think he can deal with it at this point. Pretty much, if you're if you're fine with Batman crawling out of a cave in the middle of nowhere with a broken uh... back and then magically appearing in Gotham a day later... You shouldn't have any issue with him trudging out into the snow in the Himalayas and then being in New York City the next day. <laughs> Alright, I'm always the last person to defend the Dark Knight trilogy. I like it, but I think they're just <laughs> stupidly overrated. But there is deleted scenes where it explains he got in the city via the Batcave tunnels and the series of tunnels that his grandfather set up in Batman mm -hmm. Begins. The broken back thing, though, that was a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about this flashback, just real quick. I like the way that the recap for the last issue takes place this late, because it doesn't need to take place at the start. You can read mm -hmm. this You can read this without reading the first one and follow what's going on. Yep, exactly. We don't need any intro to the beginning of the story, because it's it, it, a straight-up kung fu revenge story. It doesn't fall into that trap, where they always have this huge recap at the start of every issue. And obviously, I love the second-person narration... It gets you more involved with the story, I think. It makes you feel more connected to the character. The... There's a spiffy cape. Yes, the spiffy cape is good. I, I like spiffy capes. The fight's good so far. It yep. gets better. I love the way the fight ends. And yes, so the choice, the Tree of Immortality choice, where he essentially chooses death. Obviously, it's probably more of a spiritual death than a physical one. Well, no, 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 it's not. Well, I mean, it is it, physical death. It, it's physical death it's in the sense mortality. that he doesn't get immortality, but I think it's also... Right. A, it's also supposed to be a spiritual death. You know, he doesn't choose the wise path. He essentially hasn't yep. learned anything from his time in Kunlun because he's still after this revenge idea instead of letting it go. And it, from what I've read of Living Weapon, that's what I really loved about it. It went into this choice and how it's affected him. Mm -hmm. Whereas by the time Power Man and Iron Fist is over, it just sort of swept under the rug. He adjusts pretty well pretty quickly. But... Living Weapon, and to a lesser extent Immortal, brought back the impact of this choice, and I was a very big fan of that, because this choice is one of the most important moments in these two issues, in terms of characterization. I love, I love the art uh, of Kunlun. This is another sequence I prefer in color. I like the way the tree looks. Um, I'm guessing you very don't prefer 70s. it in color. I'm definitely going to have to see what version you're looking at later, because again, it's very wishy-washy and smudgy. It's like uh, when they're standing under the tree, the red on the ends of UT's robe smear like a quarter of an inch past mm. where they should. Yeah. Same thing with the spiffy cape. <laughs> the red of the cape is smeared all out of the lines. Definitely look at the masterworks because I have none of that here. But yeah, this choice, I just it's probably one of my favorite moments in the whole series. 
is him making this mm-hmm. choice because it has you know it has real life connections as well you know people who don't let things yeah. go stuff like that definitely I mean he, he gave up uh, the perfect life of peace and harmony for revenge yeah that's a heavy, just for holding on to step. negative energy essentially instead of moving on with your life and he gave up <laughs> immortality inner peace wisdom which is a choice that will haunt him I wonder uh, oh. I'll come back to just the brand for a second so it's a burn mark Right. Yep. So it'd be interesting to see how they do it in live action. They're probably just going to paint it on, but I find it odd that it just looks black all the time. Like it does just look like a tattoo. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, that was just. It's a charred scar. Yeah. <laughs> it's crusty. Very crusty. It flakes off in the shower when you Oh, bathes. God. <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. It's that scab that never heals. Oh. <laughs> So he never sleeps on his stomach. <laughs> well, shall we cover the rest of the issue then? Yeah, we got to cover the fight because again, we're already. <laughs> this is, is going to be our longest show. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be longer than the other one. I blame John Byrne. <laughs> Tangents. Yes. So we're now, of course, back to the fight with the scythe, and mm. uh, there's like again, Joker has said many more times. Yes. Uh, he's dragging him around by the neck. Is this Bruce Wayne? He's still got the. What? Is this Bruce Wayne? You know, mysterious Bruce martial Wayne. artist comes out of nowhere. He's obsessed with the Joker. Could be Bruce Wayne. Could be. All he needs to do is shave that chin. His pre. This is his pre-Batman career. It's him finding himself. It just might be. Mm. And uh, he allows himself to be pulled off balance. The tension in the chain grows slack. Mm. But doesn't do him much good. He puts him through a f- uh, fence. Gets called Joker again. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the scythe stands up and using the chain to his advantage, plants Danny into the other side of the fence and is laughing, saying, you know, I don't need to see you, Joker. I can still get you. And he starts, you know, doing the typical blade through the fence, trying to stab Mm. him. And Danny's dodging again, again, and again. And then he says, well, I can do the same thing pretty much. And using one of his karate punches, punches straight through the fence Hitting Scythe, sends him flying, snaps the chain. Mm. So he's like a shocked for a second, jumps back to his feet. Okay, Joker, that did uh. it. No more messing around. I'm going to kill you now. You steal yourself, drawing on your chi, your inner resources, forcing every iota of your being into your hand until it seems to smolder and glow. It becomes like a thing of iron. And Danny strikes out with his iron fist into the scythe's weapon, and it pretty much just turns it to dust this time. Yeah, just melts it. It's not possible. My blade, the Joker vaporized it. The name is not Joker Scythe, it's Iron Fist. And at that moment, Scythe lets out a little bit of pee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, if you see the panel, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. He looks terrified. Yep. I love the way his shadow is cast over him as well. Mm-hmm. I, well. I love the whole panel before where Iron Fist is like, I'm done with this. Oh, that that Game. page is great. Game over. Yep. He looks And pissed. so with his weapon destroyed, and he already knows he's outmatched fighting-wise, he spills the beans on the guy who hired all these goons to find and kill him is a man named Meacham. He owns the ugly skyscraper a few blocks over. That one? Yeah, that's it. That's all I know, I swear. Please go away and let me die in peace. 
don't really understand that yeah, line. Jesus it's Christ. Not like he, and he's, he landed any type of blow that was going to kill him. Uh, and then yeah. you leave him behind you in the alleyway. No longer a man, only a broken soulless husk. It's a bit dramatic. And then we have some orange squares here. How will Harold Meacham react? You wonder when at last you stand before his broken, dying form and tell him that he is responsible for making you a living weapon. Will he scream? Will he cry? And at that point, will he even care? Next, Next issue, issue, the Citadel. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So I thought the fight was great. It, it, besides, like, the obvious Joker spouting... The weapon they chose, you know, it was creative. It wasn't just him and some other dude punching and dodging each other. He had to think to get out of the situation. You know, it looked, it was visually striking, the fight. What did you think? Definitely. Yeah. All the fight stuff is still fantastic. And just the sheer fact that the story's 40 years old. Yes. Stands up. And it still, it still stands up. And again, you know, more words than eight comic books that are on the rack right now. Yeah. And there's so much to talk about, which is part of the reason this episode's taking so long. <laughs> and it, it doesn't, as a follow-up issue to the first one, it doesn't disappoint. The first one set a really high precedent, and this one continues that. Mm-hmm. I'd say, and yeah. the origin is still not really over. <laughs> I think the most important part of the origin is over, in terms of how he got his abilities and his full Kunlun upbringing. Obviously, the resolution right. isn't covered yet. Right, we find more of what happened with Meacham. Yes, which is the, definitely important. In the next cu- couple issues. Takes a while, And they, but... defi- they definitely take more from some classic karate slash kung fu movies in the next few issues mm. that are coming up. Yeah, but yeah, no, this was really good. I just want to go back to the tree. I know I talked about the tree a lot, but... In reference to Immortal Iron Fist, right, it, I, the way I take it is these other Iron Fists did not get offered that choice. They were always sent out into the world, whereas maybe because Danny is so close to UT in more ways than one, he got offered to stay in Kunlun, and they might have wanted to keep him there. Mm-hmm. What do you think? You do bring up a good point that I've never thought of before. I don't think it's ever referenced that they were given the choice. Yeah, only Danny. To to eat from the tree of immortality. Um, I don't... I mean, I love the backstory with the... with Randall mm. and with the other... Iron Fists. Um, no, no, no. The... Um, the Mortal Weapons. The other weapons. Yeah. The other weapons are fantastic. Mm. Uh, they, they need their own book. Yeah. And um, I, I almost... Uh, there, there was too many. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that he's the 66th because that actually happens to be my lucky number. Wow, it's, uh, <laughs> it's grim. So I was just like, that was even cooler when it came out. I was like, oh, I'm the 66th Iron Fist. <laughs> I'm like, yes! <laughs> and um, But some of that stuff just doesn't even make sense. I mean, it's cool that there were these different ones, but some of the stories, you're just like, what? I, I... Like the cowboy one? That was awesome. I mean, he was only there for like two pages and he died, but I still thought that was amazing. Just the fact that there was an Iron Fist wearing a poncho. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, just the way I interpret it, you know, Orson aged a lot slower because they lived in Kunlun. But the Tree of Immortality choice is immortality. And mm-hmm. I just think Iron Fist was... Danny Rand was a special case because of his connection to UT. You know, UT is the one who offered him that choice for reasons... 
we'll find out, I'm sure. But yeah, I don't think that the tree is part of the Iron Fist ritual, if we're jumping ahead. I think it's just a thing specific to Daniel. I think you are correct. Because hmm. I always had trouble reconciling that, but rereading these issues, it makes more sense knowing that his connection to Kunlun in general. But you also have to wonder if these people just didn't get the chance. The other Iron Fists. Right, because it wasn't that other... We're jumping way ahead now, like 30-plus yeah. years here in storylines, but there's a demon that appears. That hunts them and down. was... Wasn't he, like, whacking them all on their 33rd birthday? Yeah. So, yeah, maybe they would have been offered the choice later <clears> on, <throat> and they passed down the mantle, so to speak. But, well, essentially no Iron Fist but one, but two, and Danny survives past their 33rd birthday. So, yeah, it's possible that they were going to be offered that choice later on when there was time to retire, but none of them made it. Right. And I don't think living in Kunlun's slows down the aging, I think having the Iron Fist slows down the aging. Slows down that the aging. That makes a lot more sense, yes. Because, yeah, Orson was because in since, World War since you can re since you can regenerate, hmm. you're not physically dying, which pretty much, as morbid as it sounds, once you, I think, I think science has determined that, like, once you hit age 22, you then, from that point on, are physically dying. Yeah. Oh, awesome. There's... <laughs> <laughs> Just turned 23 it takes today, a so I'm it takes dying a really now. long time, though. <laughs> so, I guess, yeah, there was a lot to talk about in that issue. And I feel... Yes. I feel like when we get to Power Man and Iron Fist, we aren't going to have as much to talk about, which is a shame. There's so much lore and characterization in these first two issues. There's so much to chew on. And there'll be more to chew on when Immortal comes around. Although, I, I won't jump too far ahead, so I'll just leave my complaints about Danny's character in Immortal for another time. Well, I'm going to say these whole these first ten issues Marvel premiere have a lot to chew on. Yeah, the whole premiere run has a lot to chew on because you're still, you know, they're still establishing the character of the man. Mm. And you know, when one when one thing seems resolved, another problem pops another up. another problem pops up with actually answers some of the questions that we had in this issue. Yeah, and um, I'm not going to lie, the last two issues are pretty weak. Uh, 24 you know, and 25. You, when, you, when you're throwing in softball games and robots. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> um, things get a little weaker there, but then it gets a, a lot stronger when we start with his own series directly after this. Which is a lot of crossovers. And in this mix, is also, uh, they always throw into the mix the team up. Yes. With Spider Man, and that's just a fun issue. That's a good, fun issue. It's a weird issue. I think the the bad guy they fight's weird, but that's yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite team up issues I've read. And Colleen comes in soon. Was... Yes, no, she like is Colleen. in. I want to say twenty two or twenty three. She comes in. Mm. Now on this in this issue, I also we have a quarter page ad for Man Wolf appearing mm. in Creatures on the Loose number thirty, and I don't think we have any fun kung fu or karate advertisements. Yeah. Other than the hand pulverized, develop pulverizing hand power with like the kung fu grip, this giant metal circle with five rings and eight springs attached to it, so you know you can get the grip of steel. <laughs> but in future issues, there are some funny advertisements that magically appear that not only will I talk about, but I will post pictures on yeah, our Facebook definitely. page about them. 
And speaking of our Facebook page, Connor, what would that be? I just got to get a list of all our pages. Then I can list Look, them all. Connor has been very busy. He's pretty much put us everywhere. Except iTunes. So we've covered the issue and our thoughts of the issue. I just want to quickly mention that Scythe appears in episode of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Avengers cartoon from a while ago. It's... Yes, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's an episode where Hank Pym hires Danny Rand and Luke Cage to help him out. And it's actually a really good episode. And I hate the Avengers. Well, I don't hate them. I'm just (laughs) not interested in them. But I do hate that show. But that episode is really good. Iron Fist and Luke Cage is awesome. I definitely recommend checking it out. You get to see Iron Fist beat up Scythe a lot quicker than he does in this book. (laughs) And you get to see Luke Cage just stand there being really overpowered. (laughs) So yeah, I just find it interesting that Scythe made it. Scythe made it into media. <laughs> he transcended wow. the comic book. Now, was he Australian there? He doesn't say Joker. He doesn't say anything, actually. <laughs> Iron Fist just kicks the crap out of him, then he's gone. So, well, that I'm about wraps to, us up. I'll have to hunt that down, because it is on Netflix. Yes, hunt it down. Just Google Iron Fist in Avengers, and you should be able to find it. But that wraps us up for this issue, I think. Oh, definitely. Yes. So, <laughs> contact us... Um, Feel free to send in mail, ask us questions, provide feedback, tell us tell us if we were wrong, or if we were right, or if you love us, hate us, whatever. You can find us on Facebook, Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist Podcast. There is more than one Sons of the Dragon page, but if you type in Sons of the Dragon Podcast, you should be able to find us. We have a picture of a, well, Iron Fist. I'll just double check if you type in a podcast, you'll find it immediately. Yes, you should. We have 16 likes. Yay. Woohoo. And next we take over the world. <laughs> we also have an email, sons of the dragon podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send us mail there. We have a YouTube. If you look up Iron Fist Podcast on YouTube, you will find our channel. And we are also on Twitter at Iron Fist Podcast. That is where you can reach us. Please send in stuff. Talk to us. We made this show to talk to people. And yes. Send us pictures, your artwork, whatever. Yeah, actually, yeah. Pictures would be awesome. I will actually start posting. um, I have a huge collection. I have Iron Fist items that people who have been in the industry for 50 years have never seen before in their life and think I might have one one of a kind items. Mm. And one of them was a belt buckle, and uh, I'll put that up after this episode gets dropped on the page. I'm interested to see so, these things as well. So everyone can check it out. But I have I have stuff from all over the world, Spanish, Italian, Australian. <laughs> and, and we haven't discussed it, but I've said before that I live in Connecticut in the United States, and Connor lives in Australia. So we are literally on opposite sides of this planet. G'day. Doing this for you guys. Because we love you all. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone should love Iron Fist. Yes, exactly. Feel free to tell your friends about us as well. If you have people... And another shout-out. Yes, continue. Dave's Daredevil. Yes, thank you, Dave. Check out his show for a good Daredevil podcast in a similar vein, albeit a lot more coherent and professionally done, (laughs) if I may say. Um, Yeah, it's a great show. And I'd also like to give another shout-out to... Get Out the Room, the horror movie podcast that I used to be on. Another great stuff for if you're into the horror movies. Another great show. We'll be doing another one soon. We're going to try to keep a steady pace on these. Yep, once a week, so, hopefully. So, 
so it won't take you know like 17 years to cover all yes. the issues. Yeah, we will when when we get to some of the larger issues, we might do two and one stuff like that. If there's like, yeah, and if you have any, if you know anyone interested, like even in his upcoming Netflix show, this is a pretty good place to get acquainted with the character as well. Definitely that floats your boat. And yes, so you, so you can see how wrong they get him. Yes, <laughs> how wrong. Please don't sue us. Any music or characters we reference or pictures, whatever, this is all for free. We don't make money off it, and you wouldn't get anything off us anyway. That's right. Yeah. However, all my horrible celebrity stories are completely true. Yes. John Byrne, <laughs> do not sue us. Or Jim Shooter, please don't sue us. Next week, we have Kung Fu versus Cold Steel in the Citadel of Vengeance. Now... Carl could not be here for this bit due to technical difficulties. So on behalf of both of us, may your whatever you want become unto things of iron. Don't hit people. Peace. <laughs>